So today is the 15th of October 2020 and we've uh, come together with this intent to study and practice the Dhamma. So the reason that we practice the Dhamma is in order to train and build up our minds so that they gain a clear knowledge, understanding the things that we should know and see. Understanding in line with truth. And this reduces the suffering that we experience in life. If we have just a little bit of wisdom and a small amount of knowledge, then correspondingly the peace that we experience in our hearts will be quite small as well. But if we develop a deep wisdom and see the truth, see the Dhamma, uh, then we will experience great peace. So the Buddha attained awakening and he taught us uh, that we can see what he saw uh, following his teachings. And this will reduce the dukkha that we have in our hearts. The reason that we experience stress is because of attachment. That's what Lumpur Cha taught, that our suffering is because of our desires. And when we have desire, that just uh, stretches out the suffering that we feel. Those people who feel like they have enough, that they're content with what they own, um, are very few, they're very difficult to find. So our hearts have enormous value. And when we come to know um, this, then we should also understand that uh, we have an original heart, a mind that is clear and pure, that's peaceful. It's just that the defilements have covered over our minds for a very long time. We chase after all of the impressions that our minds experience, and we've done this for countless lifetimes. So the reason we train our minds is order, in order to see the truth, to know the things that we really should know and understand, the things that are already present um, in nature, that they're all around us. Just like old age, sickness and death, inconstancy and stability, these things are natural and they surround us. We meet with them all the time and we know about them, but it's just we don't see them clearly. We know that old age, sickness and death will arise for us and when we experience that it will be painful, but we just don't see it. Or we know, we know, but we don't see. What we understand is just conventions, it's just memories, things we've read about or heard. We can think in this way, but it's not really true, the thoughts that we have, because they come from delusion. We get lost in old age, sickness and death, and taking things as being a self. There was one time that I bowed to a senior monk 
and he was close to uh, entering Vanamibana, close to death. He was very ill. And I asked him, well, how are you? And he says, I'm fine. But in Thai, uh, the response, I'm fine, literally means I'm not anything. He was answering uh, in terms of his heart, but not in terms of his body, because his body was very close to death. And in fact, not long after I left, uh, he passed away. But even though he was very ill, he answered, I'm fine, I'm not anything. Usually, um, when people give an answer, they answer in terms of self, saying, I'm this and I'm that. Uh, but he was talking in the language of Dhamma. So he said, I'm not anything. That he just considered it to be a heap of elements, um, this body, and something that would just arise and cease. There was also one of Lumpur Cha's teachers, Lumpur Giniri, and when he was close to death, uh, the very last words that he spoke uh, were as a teaching to one of his students. Um, and that was for a student to, to recite the words, uh, ceased without remainder, gone or ceased without remainder. And he was speaking in the language of the Dhamma, that there's nothing there, but uh, this was just coming from a pure heart that knew the Dhamma, that saw the Dhamma, that wasn't attached to anything, and so didn't experience any suffering. And even though the body was very ill, the mind was pure and experiencing constant joy and happiness. So the training of our hearts brings us great benefit. And if we don't train our minds, then they'll just chase after every sense impression that they experience. Whatever impression hits the mind, whatever the mind comes to know, that will be a cause of confusion and chaos. <laughs> they get attached to liking and disliking. All of the emotions that we feel, the anger, the anxiety, the jealousy, the hatred, uh, the mind latches on to all of this, and that's what it's like. And so this happens very frequently, it's constant, um, the bombardment of these impressions. And usually our mindfulness is too slow to know what's going on. And so our hearts suffer as a result. Therefore, we should set our hearts on training, training our minds, because who else is going to do it for us? We've been, our minds are in a deluded state, and therefore, uh, we need to bring up a knowing, this inner quality of knowing, the one who knows, to train our minds, to train our hearts. It's something that's very important uh, that we do this in this lifetime. Because um, we have to follow the nature um, to get old, to become sick, and to die. And we have to throw everything that we gain away in this world. We just drop it here. Even this body that we take to be me and mine, we have to leave it behind. 
we have to leave it in this world. Our wife or husband, our children, the wealth that we have, we can't take any of that with us. But normally when people come to be born in this world, they get lost of the things um, in the world. And this causes a lot of confusion in their lives. Therefore, we must build up this inner quality of knowing, the one who knows, to train our minds, having this knowing nature uh, teach us. So the one who knows is the one who is endowed with wisdom. And it's this knowing nature that walks the path of sila, samadhi, and panya, the magga, we cultivate our hearts, and that's something that's very important for us. In the beginning, uh, the faithful laity uh, put their efforts into building up the sasana vatu, the material side of the Buddhist dispensation, the religion. We offer land uh, to start up monasteries, and then on that land, uh, huts are built for the monks and a hall. Later on, an ubosita and a jedi even. And these are the material aspects of the religion. Those who have faith and who have the resources can help out in line with their means. But we also need to have the sasana pugala, the members of the religion. And it's especially difficult these days to find people who are willing to ordain, who can practice so that the sasana dhamma, the truth of uh, this dispensation, arises. So this path of sila, samadhi, and panya, virtue, collectedness of mind and wisdom, is something that is already present. We already have it. So we need to establish our efforts and set them on training our minds, do it a lot, develop it a lot. This is very significant. So we bring up efforts and we try our best. We set our minds uh, to the fullest. And sometimes we may feel uh, lethargic or lazy uh, because the defilements are aggravating our minds. But whether we're lazy or we're enthusiastic, we practice all the same. We endure until peace uh, comes up in the mind. So we can, by conventions, give this peace different labels. Initially it may be kanaka samadhi, uh, this minor form of samadhi. And there can be physical manifestations of this, like tears flowing down the cheeks, or the body swaying from side to side. Maybe we feel very cool and light. Uh, the body feels buoyant. This can then develop onto upajara samadhi, or neighborhood concentration, which is very close to true peace. The joy that comes up can be quite intense uh, at this time, and we can feel like the body is just floating in midair. But we also need to be wary so that we don't get deluded by the names that we give these things, that it's 
this kind of samadhi or that kind of samadhi. We just take it as being peace. And whatever level of peace we gain, we use that to bring up knowledge and understanding of truth. Seeing the nature of all things, of all physicality and mentality, contemplating into the body or into external physical things as being inconstant, stressful, and not self. At the times when our samadhi is well established, then uh, we can contemplate and a nimitta, a visual image, can arise. Perhaps we see the body as just being made up of the earth element, and that slowly disintegrates and slowly disperses, and then it may gather together again and form a body once again, and form a self. And then as we contemplate that further, it disintegrates once again. When these images come up, then we just know what's happening. And it's possible that these can be a cause for clear knowledge and understanding to arise. But we have mindfulness and wisdom with that. When we can see um, clearly these nimittas and contemplate them, then the mind can be very full. We see the nature um, of the bodies, that it's not appropriate to attach to them as being a self, as being an animal, or any kind of being. But for some people, they don't get any of these nimittas, these visual images, and that's fine. There's no need to worry about that. We just teach ourselves instead, teach ourselves that these bodies are not sure, they're inconstant. Whenever greed, hatred, and delusion arises, uh, we tell ourselves this is something that's not sure, it's inconstant. It's not self, it's not me, it's not mine. So we look at our minds, we keep a close eye on them, and we teach them as best we can. We teach our minds so they gain knowledge uh, that the proliferation um, that our minds create, giving rise to conventions, there's no self within that. But it's also possible, as we train, for these nimittas to arise. Um, and if the mind is peaceful, then we may gain some kind of knowledge as to the past or to the future. Uh, but we shouldn't believe in that too much. Uh, we should take it with a grain of salt as well, because it may be true or it may not be true. It's not sure. We don't know. And it could be that there's very deep-seated attachments in our minds that are giving rise to these images, and we just don't see where they're coming from. So we shouldn't go and tell anyone about them, because it's still not sure. It's important to understand that the training of our hearts is for the sake of peace, and we can use wisdom to develop this calmness. Until we experience uh, vitaka, vichara, piti, sukha, ikakada, the uh, initial and sustained application of the mind, and then joy, pleasure, and one-pointedness. And this is 
samma samadhi, right collectedness of mind. And then we will come to know the ekakadaya jitta, uh, the one mind that's experiencing a single um, object of awareness. So we understand that the object is one thing and the mind is something else. There's a lot of peace and stillness uh, in the heart at this point. It shows that uh, samadhi also has wisdom uh, to it as well. At this point, uh, we can enter into apana samadhi, this access concentration. And the purpose of this is to give rise to wisdom. So when we leave that state, uh, we can contemplate into the body or the mind and see everything uh, in terms of wisdom. Understanding that any attachments that we hold will be a cause for becoming and birth. This knowledge allows us to let go of the things that cause us suffering and it shows that we have gained wisdom. There's a subtle difference between apana samadhi and apana, apana jhana. Uh, the jhana is it's a happiness that we experience in the jhana, and when we leave that state, we'll just want to go back into it as soon as possible. There's no desire to contemplate anything. So this is apana jhana. But apana samadhi is for the sake of developing, cultivating wisdom, for abandoning a sense of self. But when we practice, we should be wary of desiring any of these states. That we don't practice uh, through wanting to obtain them, but rather we just have mindfulness here in the present moment, trying to calm our minds down, make them firm and well-established, making sure our actions of body and speech are within the bounds of virtue. Contemplating uh, whatever is arising right here and now. So if we, oh sorry, we'll be able to contemplate uh, into many different aspects such as food and understand that the food that we eat is just for living uh, till the next day. It's not for beautification of the body. We just um, eat in order to maintain our health to ward off sickness. So both monks and lay people can contemplate in this way, reflect upon the four requisites, so that we know how to obtain them and use them in a way that's just right, that's just enough. The medicine, the clothing uh, that we gain, um, we don't spend a lot of time seeking it out but we have a sense of enoughness, of contentment within these things, that they are there to relieve us of suffering and to allow us to live our lives at ease. These things, we gain them uh, in, order to, in order for our practice to be convenient and to have energy and effort in our mental cultivation so that we don't have any anxiety, 
we don't have worries about being too cold or being too hot, that the body is in a state of ease. So our dwellings, our houses, um, we just stay in them. And it doesn't really matter if they're big or small because they're just there for us to stay in them. And if we have right view, then we won't suffer over the size of our house. We won't go and compare it to anyone else's and we'll feel an inner sense of contentment then. So when we have this restraint and composure over our actions of bodies and speech. Um, We try to maintain this day by day. We try to be mindful all the time and allow that sati to take care of our hearts so that they don't become scattered and unsettled. When our hearts meet with a sense impression, if we have good mindfulness, then that won't cause them to become confused and chaotic. Because if they do become chaotic, we won't really gain much from our time in this world. We see that the world is in quite a confused state at the moment, and there are a lot of sense impressions that we meet with. But it's not that in the practice we just don't receive any of these. Rather, we know them and we abandon them. We have a lot of mindfulness at the point where uh, we experience these impressions. And if we can do this throughout the day, then when we come to sit meditation, we'll experience peace and calm. So we set our minds on practicing in this way every day, do it a lot, develop it a lot. We'll then slowly but surely cultivate peace And the doubts that we have will uh, just go out all by themselves. We contemplate giving rise to calm states, and we won't have any um, doubts at that time. We'll know that this is the path that does leave us out of suffering, the path of not getting caught in liking or disliking, where the mind is in equipoise, it's centered, where we have mindfulness and wisdom looking after our hearts so they don't get lost in liking or disliking. So we have this mindfulness here in the present moment, um, keeping them centered and aware. And this is what we know as upeka. Initially, the state of upeka, uh, equanimity, Uh, can be quite bland. But that shows that we just have a little bit of energy in our hearts. However, as our internal power increases, then this upeka will give rise to joy and contentment. When the mind gathers into samadhi, then wisdom arises, and there's an even greater sense of fullness in the heart, a fullness of the Dhamma. So there's no flavor that can be found in the world that equals that of the Dhamma. There's no taste um, that can compare. Nothing in the world, nothing in the universe uh, has a flavor that's as delicious as that of the Dhamma. So we should all taste it. When we see the body as 
not being beautiful, as being unattractive, then the heart will feel full. When we see the body as being inconstant and changing, that will bring about ease and contentment in the heart, a joy that arises through the Dhamma. When we see the body as being merely a body, then the heart fills up with goodness. We'll see the truth. We'll see the great uh, goodness and the benefaction of the Buddha. The faith that we have in the Buddha will go very deeply into our hearts. It'll be firm and unshakable. It comes through seeing clearly. So this is a faith that arises from wisdom and goes on to giving us great effort that we carry on with the practice without stopping. We feel like we need to seek out for ourselves uh, the Dhamma uh, in our hearts. So we train every day. We do it constantly, continuously, always trying to contemplate into the nature of the body and the mind. So as we do this, then uh, the peace that arises is that which comes from wisdom. And the heart won't be inclined to fall into liking or disliking anymore because it will have seen through the sense of self. So we should all train ourselves uh, in this way, seeing that the mind is one thing and its objects are another thing, that they're separate, they're not the same. Even though we just consider them to be one person, actually there's two things there. There's one mind and one object. We may think about various things, um, and these thoughts become objects of our mind, but if our mindfulness isn't up to speed with that thinking, then we'll go and latch onto it, considering it to be me and mine, or a self or an other. So therefore, we do need to practice and train our minds to gain knowledge and truth in order to slowly but surely reduce the suffering that we experience, giving rise to increased knowledge, seeing with greater clarity, giving birth to wisdom until the heart becomes more and more pure. Eventually, it will reach the purest state. And this is the state uh, that Lumpucha said is beyond cause and above effect. It's beyond happiness and above suffering. It's beyond birth and above death. So therefore we practice following the awakened disciples of the Buddha. Numpo Cha was one of these. He taught us the way, so we should try to follow that way as best we can. We have great respect in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Um, so we should practice with sincerity. And if we really practice, then what we gain, what we see, will be real as well. So may you all have your hearts set on this path. <laughs>